Hello, I'm Cheryl, and this is Sleep Tight Relax, a calming bedtime podcast for the young and young at heart. Our sleep story is the ninth chapter of the story, Alice in Wonderland. The Duchess has returned, and she and Alice are walking around until the Queen comes and demands the Duchess play. After that, Alice goes back to the game with the Queen until she asks Alice if she has ever seen the Mock Turtle. Alice says no, and the Queen sends her with a griffin to meet him. But before we continue with our story, let's turn down the lights, get cozy in your bed, close your eyes, and feel warm and secure. Now that we have done that, let's use our imagination a little bit. While we are breathing, Let's imagine that you are blowing up a balloon every time you exhale. You can make this balloon as big as you'd like and give it whatever color you want. It can be rainbow colored or have animal prints all over it. I would like you to take a great big breath in through your nose and exhale through your mouth, blowing up your imaginary balloon. But this is no ordinary balloon. It's a balloon you can ride in. Once you get it as big as you want, it detaches from your mouth and it drifts slowly up into the sky taking you with it. There is a strong breeze right now and your balloon drifts over the trees. You can see your home, the street you live on. Slowly but surely, your balloon takes off and you can land it anywhere you like. Land it in your favorite place. This could be your bedroom, or the couch at a friend's house. Or maybe it's a place to buy ice cream. Let's stay here for a few minutes. And then when you are ready, take a few more deep breaths, each time exhaling into the balloon. And it slowly takes you again for another ride. Perhaps it can take you right into our story, Alice in Wonderland, or right back into your bed again. Great. Let's continue with Chapter 9 of Alice in Wonderland. The Mock Turtle's Story You can't imagine how glad I am to see you again, you dear old thing, said the Duchess, 
as she tucked her arm affectionately into Alice's, and they walked off together. Alice was very glad to find her in such a pleasant mood and thought to herself that perhaps it was only the pepper that had made her so angry when they met in the kitchen. When I'm a duchess, she said to herself, not in a very hopeful tone, though, I won't have any pepper in my kitchen at all. Soup does very well without. Maybe it's always pepper that makes people hot-tempered, she went on, very much pleased at having found out a new kind of rule, and vinegar that makes them sour, and chamomile that makes them bitter, and... and barley sugar and such things that make children sweet-tempered. I only wish people knew that. Then they wouldn't be so stingy about it, you know. She had quite forgotten the Duchess by this time and was a little startled when she heard her voice close to her ear. You're thinking about something, my dear, and that makes you forget to talk. I can't tell you just now what the moral of that is, but I shall remember it in a bit. Perhaps it hasn't one, Alice ventured to remark. Child, said the Duchess, everything's got a moral, if only you can find it. And she squeezed herself up closer to Alice's side as she spoke. Alice did not much like keeping so close to her. First, because the Duchess was not very pretty, and secondly, because she was exactly the right height to rest her chin upon Alice's shoulder, and it was an uncomfortably sharp chin. However, she did not like to be rude, so she bore it as well as she could. The game's going on better now, she said, by way of keeping up the conversation a little. "'Tis so," said the Duchess, "'and the moral of that is, "'Oh, tis love, tis love "'that makes the world go round.'" "'Somebody said,' Alice whispered, "'that it's done by everybody "'minding their own business.'" "'Ah, well, it means much the same thing,' "'said the Duchess, "'digging her sharp little chin "'into Alice's shoulder as she added, "'And the moral of that is... Take care of the scents, and the sounds will take care of themselves. How fond she is of finding morals in things, Alice thought to herself. I dare say you're wondering why I don't put my arm around your waist, the Duchess said after a pause. The reason is that I am doubtful about the temper of your flamingo. Shall I try the experiment? He might bite. Alice cautiously replied, not feeling at all anxious to have the experiment tried. Very true, said the Duchess. Flamingos and mustard both bite. And the moral of that is, birds of a feather flock together. Only mustard isn't a bird, Alice remarked. Right as usual, said the Duchess. What a clear way you have of putting things. It's a mineral, I think, said Alice. Of course it is, said the Duchess, who seemed ready to agree to everything that Alice said, 
There's a large mustard mine near here. And the moral of that is, the more there is of mine, the less there is of yours. Oh, I know, exclaimed Alice, who had not attended to this last remark. It's a vegetable. It doesn't look like one, but it is. I quite agree with you, said the Duchess. And the moral of that is, be what you would seem to be. Or, if you'd like to put it more simply, never imagine yourself not to be otherwise than what it might appear to others that what you were or might have been was not otherwise than what you had been would have appeared to them to be otherwise. I think I would understand that better, Alice said very politely, if I had it written down, but I can't quite follow it as you say it. That's nothing to what I could say if I chose, the Duchess replied in a pleased tone. Please don't trouble yourself to say it any longer than that, said Alice. Oh, don't talk about trouble, said the Duchess. I'll make you a present of everything I've said as yet. Great sort of present, thought Alice. I'm glad they don't give birthday presents like that. But she did not venture to say it out loud. Thinking again? The Duchess asked with another dig of her sharp little chin. I have a right to think, said Alice sharply, for she was beginning to feel a little worried. Just about as much right, said the Duchess, as pigs have to fly, and the m- But here, to Alice's great surprise, the Duchess's voice died away, even in the middle of her favorite word, moral, and the arm that was linked into hers began to tremble. Alice looked up, and there stood the queen in front of them, with her arms folded, frowning like a thunderstorm. A fine day, your majesty, the duchess began in a low, weak voice. Now I give you fair warning, shouted the queen, stamping on the ground as she spoke. You must be off or play the game, and that in about half no time. Take your choice. The Duchess took her choice and was gone in a moment. Let's go on with the game, the Queen said to Alice, and Alice was much too frightened to say a word, but slowly followed her back to the croquet ground. The other guests had taken advantage of the Queen's absence and were resting in the shade. However, the moment they saw her, they hurried back to the game. The queen merely remarked that a moment's delay would cost them. All the time they were playing, the queen never left off quarreling with the other players and shouting, off with him or off with her. Those whom she sentenced were taken into custody by the soldiers, who of course had to leave off being arches to do this so that by the end of half an hour or so, there were no arches left, and all the players, except the king, the queen, and Alice were in custody. Then the queen left off, quite out of breath, and said to Alice, Have you seen the mock turtle yet? 
No, said Alice. I don't even know what a mock turtle is. It's the thing mock turtle soup is made from, said the queen. I never saw one or heard of one, said Alice. Come on then, said the queen, and he shall tell you his history. As they walked off together, Alice heard the king say in a low voice to the company generally, you are all free to go. Come, that's a good thing, she said to herself, for she had felt quite unhappy at the number of punishments the queen had ordered. They very soon came upon a griffin lying fast asleep in the sun. Up, lazy thing, said the queen, and take this young lady to see the mock turtle and to hear his history. I must go back and see after some punishments I have ordered. And she walked off, leaving Alice alone with the griffin. Alice did not quite like the look of the creature, but on the whole, she thought it would be quite as safe to stay with it as to go after that angry queen. So she waited. The griffin sat up and rubbed its eyes. Then it watched the queen till she was out of sight. Then it chuckled. What fun, said the griffin, half to itself, half to Alice. What is the fun, said Alice. Why she, said the griffin. It's all her fancy that they never punish anybody, you know. Come on. Everybody says, come on here, thought Alice as she went slowly after it. I never was so ordered about in all my life. Never. They had not gone far before they saw the mock turtle in the distance, sitting sad and lonely on a little ledge of rock. And as they came nearer, Alice could hear him sighing as if his heart would break. She pitied him deeply. What is his sorrow? She asked the griffin. And the griffin answered very nearly in the same words as before. It's all his fancy that he hasn't got no sorrow, you know. Come on. So they went up to the mock turtle who looked at them with large eyes full of tears, but said nothing. This here young lady, said the griffin, she wants to know your history, she do. I'll tell it to her, said the mock turtle in a deep, hollow tone. Sit down, both of you, and don't speak a word till I've finished. So they sat down, and nobody spoke for some minutes. Alice thought to herself, I don't see how he can ever finish if he doesn't begin. But she waited patiently. Once, said the mock turtle at last with a deep sigh, oh, I was a real turtle. These words were followed by a very long silence, broken only by an occasional exclamation of from the griffin and the constant heavy sobbing of the mock turtle. Alice was very nearly getting up and saying, thank you, sir, for your interesting story. 
but she could not help thinking there must be more to come. So she sat still and said nothing. When we were little, Mock Turtle went on at last more calmly, though still sobbing a little now and then. We went to school in the sea. The master was an old turtle. We used to call him Tortoise. Why did you call him Tortoise if he wasn't one? Alice asked. We called him Tortoise because he taught us, said the Mock Turtle angrily. Really, you are not very smart. You ought to be ashamed of yourself for asking such a simple question, added the Griffin. And then they both sat silent and looked at poor Alice, who felt ready to sink into the earth. At last, the Griffin said to the Mock Turtle, Drive on, old fella. Don't be all day about it. And he went on in these words. Yes, we went to school in the sea, though you mightn't believe it. I never said I didn't, interrupted Alice. You did, said the Mock Turtle. Hold your tongue, added the Griffin, before Alice could speak again. The Mock Turtle went on. We had the best of educations. In fact, we went to school every day. I've been to day school too, said Alice. You needn't be so proud as all that. With extras? Asked the Mock Turtle a little anxiously. Yes, said Alice. We learned French and music. And washing? Said the Mock Turtle. Certainly not, said Alice indignantly. Ah, then yours wasn't a really good school, said the Mock Turtle in a tone of great relief. Now at ours, they had at the end of the day, French, music, and washing. Extra. You couldn't have wanted it much, said Alice, living at the bottom of the sea. I couldn't afford to learn it, said the Mock Turtle with a sigh. Ah, oh, I only took the regular course. What was that, inquired Alice. Reeling and writhing, of course, to begin with, the Mock Turtle replied, and then the different branches of arithmetic, ambition, distraction, uglification, and derision. I've never heard of uglification, Alice ventured to say. What is it? The Griffin lifted up both of its paws in surprise. What? Never heard of uglifying? It exclaimed, You know what to beautify is, I suppose. Yes, said Alice doubtfully. It means to uh, make anything prettier. Well then, the Griffin went on, if you don't know what to uglify is, you are a simpleton. Alice did not feel encouraged to ask any more questions about it. So she turned to the Mock Turtle and said, What else had you to learn? Well, there was mystery, the Mock Turtle replied, counting off the subjects on his flappers. Mystery, ancient and modern, with seography, then drawling. The drawling master was an old conjure eel that used to come once a week. 
He taught us drawling, stretching, and fainting in coils. What was that like, said Alice. Well, I can't show it to you myself, the mock turtle said. I'm too stiff, and the griffin never learned it. Hadn't time, said the griffin. I went to the classics master, though. He was an old crab, he was. I never went to him, the mock turtle said with a sigh. He taught laughing and grief, they used to say. So he did, so he did, said the griffin, sighing in his turn. And both creatures hid their faces in their paws. And how many hours a day did you do lessons, said Alice, in a hurry to change the subject. Ten hours the first day, said the mock turtle, nine the next, and so on. What a curious plan, exclaimed Alice. That's the reason they're called lessons, the griffin remarked, because they lessen from day to day. This was quite a new idea to Alice, and she thought it over a little before she made her next remark. Then, the eleventh day must have been a holiday. Of course it was, said the mock turtle. And how did you manage on the twelfth? Alice asked eagerly. That's enough about lessons, the griffin interrupted in a very dedicated tone. Tell her something about the games now. And that's the end of this chapter. Good night.